welcome to the Food Freedom Podcast. I am Coach Mary Roberts, and this podcast is all about finding your freedom from food addiction. And we're going to talk about all things related to food addiction and recovery. Let's dig in. Before we launch into today's podcast, I want to give a little background. Um, A few weeks ago, I, quote, came out, end quote, um, about eating sweet potato. And I made a post on Instagram briefly explaining why. And then I also went on the road podcast with Jonathan Shane uh, to talk more in depth about it. Um, The responses that I got uh, were overwhelmingly positive, but there were a few Um, responses that came up that um, are the reason for today's podcast. So I hope that you um, enjoy this conversation that I had with Jonathan from the Keto Road, where we talk um, more about a little, expand a little more on why um, I eat sweet potato and what that may or may not mean for you. All right. Well, welcome back. This episode, um, I have a a special guest with me. And actually, I should have asked you beforehand, you know, what do you want me to say about you? I'll just say what I know about Jonathan is he's an awesome coach. I worked with him for almost two years myself. Um, And uh, I know he's a great guy and he's a a great dad and that he is a hustler. Like he hustles. He works hard. He's not afraid of work. Um, but I'll let him, when he introduces himself in a minute, I'll let him give more of the, the nitty gritty. But um, so Jonathan, as you know, um, I came out on your podcast last week um, about eating sweet potato. And on the same day, I made a post on Instagram to coincide with, with the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And so I actually expected a lot of backlash and I got none. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually really surprised by that because, you know, I've been on social media for like seven years and have kind of a reputation for being strict. Um, and you know, not, you know, I've, I've never eaten sweet potato or posted about any, anything like that. Um, and so usually when I post something that's, you know, perceived as controversial, um, I get backlash for it, you know, I don't know, but this time, like none of that happened. And I was, I got a lot of support, was really surprised by that. Um, and so, you know, and as a food addiction coach, you know, I, you know, we both, you know, do coaching, keto coaching with people. Um, but I don't do the things that, that you do. Like you work with people, um, you know, closely like on macros and, you know, a, identifying health issues and, or, or like resolving health issues and helping them, um, you know, specifically to, to lose weight. And you have the, you're an NTP, right? Nutritional therapy practitioner. And so that's like your wheelhouse. And it's, it's not, it's not mine. I work with people on, you know, getting their mind right and helping them with their behavior and stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of people. um, So an interesting thing happened after the podcast and the the post about the sweet potato. And that's why we're here today. Um, I had an interesting thing happen where suddenly a lot of people were like, I'm so glad that you posted this. I've really missed stuff like this. I miss sweet potato and Mm. lots of people asking me, how much do you eat? How often do you eat it? And they're asking that because they want to know 
how much can they eat? Um, you know, so I was, I thought we were careful <laughs> in the podcast and in the post to say that, um, you know, I did this for a very specific reason and that, you know, I'm not eating it every day that we, you know, we're using it strategically, um, just, you know, for a certain purpose. So, um, I wanted to have you on today and talk about, uh, about that and, um, you know, what, just the, you know, what should the response be to these people who say, I miss sweet potato? Cause I feel like it's a food addiction issue. And so let's talk about that. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, 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 I definitely want to get to it because I think, I think, I think it's a, a really good conversation to have. Um, and thank you so much for having me on. I am excited to have this conversation. So quick elevator speech. My name is Jonathan Shane. I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, I am a recovered bulimic or a bulimic in recovery. You never really, never an absolute free from it, right? It's just kind of keeping that monster at bay. Um, have been a ketogenic coach for four years now. Uh, have become became a women's metabolic specialist about two years ago. Um, and that's just kind of where I devote all my attention and energy now is just helping mostly women. I do work with some men, but mostly women navigate the waters of keto and carbs and their metabolic health and their cycles and hormones and just giving them that freedom when it comes to their health and overall well-being. So um, I'm excited to be here and I, and I love this conversation. I think that to kind of answer the question, you know, one thing I posted about this actually yesterday and something I said was, you know, don't use people's absolute needs as an excuse for your impulsive indulgences. And right. I, I think, yeah, because I know we talked about it after I posted it. And I think that that speaks volumes. Right. And I think it's really important too, like before, like before we dive into it, like we have to, we have to uh, um, separate things, right? Like there's some people that like literally have to avoid some carbohydrates or all carbohydrates, right? We talk about abstainers and um, even maybe it might be, it's a micro level. Like they can handle some carbs, can't handle others. Maybe it's a macro. They just can't handle any. Um, and to them, when they see a post like that, and I think that something like, and something I talked about on a podcast I just did with Crystal Sykes actually, um, which is going to be coming out here in a little bit um, as we're recording this, is that it's not always the influencer or coach's fault. It's the consumer's fault too, because you already prefaced that you did it for specific needs. If they choose to consume it through a filter of this means I can eat whatever I want, that's on them, not on you. And so I don't, right. and I say that because there's going to be people that do that regardless. So even if you hey, I have these specific needs, someone somewhere is going to go, Ooh, maybe I should do that just simply because I've been craving it. And yeah. you can't stop that, right? That's the consumer's problem, not the uh, content creator's problem per se. Um, but I think that there's two there's two people here, right? There's people that are doing this because they have an impulse and they want an excuse to give into that impulse. And then I think there are also people though that could moderate carbs, but they've been just told for years that they're bad. And so they're terrified of them. And so they're just trying to do it out of curiosity. And I don't think that it's on us to distinguish those two. Again, I think that's a consumer problem, but I definitely think it's important to educate, especially because, you know, if the, if the, after listening to like this podcast, the moderator that was just told to be scared of carbs decides to give it a try and it's fine. That's great but we need to speak to the person that's leaning into an impulse here because that's the person that could go down a road. They don't want to go back down. Um, and so I do think that's, I do think it's an important conversation to have. And it just kind of goes back again to that post that I made, right? Like you can't, if you are thinking about eating something 
because you have this impulsive craving for it and you know that this thing leads to long-term negative habits in your life you have to be self-aware enough to say i probably shouldn't do that right and i think that it's a huge red flag when you read somebody's post and you go there's no there's a difference between reading like your post right and some people commented because there were some comments that were like i've been feeling just like you expressed you felt before you tried this that's the person that should try it but the person that goes man, I've missed sweet potato. How'd you do that? You know, I used to binge like 50 pounds of sweet potato every day. I didn't realize I could still have it. How much do you eat a day without binging? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, but like, because the reality is, is that when we introduced sweet potato, we did so because it's something that you did not associate with binge trauma in your past. And it was easy to implement it and not go overboard. If they're somebody that used to binge eat sweet potato pie and they're trying to figure out how much you ate that didn't push them over the edge to apply your protocol to themselves when they're in a completely different space when it comes to what they can moderate and what they need to abstain from, they're putting themselves in a really bad position. Yeah. I want to touch on something you said about the two types of people. So like I obviously like before in the early years, like I I was in that category of like carbs are just bad. They're completely unnecessary. Um, but I do think we do have, like, we can make a distinction. There are bad carbs, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had to, you know, comment a couple of times, like I'm not over here eating Oreos. I'm not talking about all carbs. We're talking about like whole food carbs that can be used, you know, for a, a certain purpose. Um, but you know, I think there are people too, like, there are carbohydrates that I can moderate. I'm not going to be binging on broccoli. I don't even like broccoli. I don't eat broccoli, but I'm <laughs> as an example, like I'm, you know, there's certain carbs that I can eat that I can have a little bit and, and walk away. There's other types of carbs that I can't. Some of them are keto friendly and I choose not to, to have them. So I think that, you know, you know, I'm always say, you know, I do talk a lot about how I'm not a moderator, but that's not like a blanket statement. There are, you know, obviously I can moderate some foods or I wouldn't have ever lost weight. Right. I wouldn't have had the healing and, and gone through the process that I've had because I wouldn't be able to moderate any, any food. Right. But so there's some things we can moderate. And then other things, like you said, we know for a fact, like because of our history, with it and our thoughts about it that we should absolutely abstain, you know, from, from certain things. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. But I think that's what it is. Right. And so I think that, and, and this is important to preface that I think that if we're going to talk about the introduction of carbs at all in this conversation, it's, if you've never done keto, if you're like, if you just started keto, it was like your second weekend, if you are, so I would say these are categories. So think about yourself, the listener right now listening. Think about these categories and see if it, if you check any of these boxes. You just started keto, which means you're within the first three to four months of it. Um, you have, you know, you're still working mentally on your eating disorder. You still binge. You still slip up all the time. You're still wrestling with that demon, trying to overcome it. If you're in one of those two camps, this conversation, I don't, I don't care. Like it is not. It is not even in your prayer view because you're not very fat adapted yet. You're not very keto adapted yet, and you're not consistent. And you're in a place where you need to focus on just eliminating anything that could trigger that, that, that trauma, that habit that you had, right. And so, or, or still have, 
because there are people that are probably asking that that still binge when they go out to eat with their friends on the weekends right and they're like oh well, maybe i have sushi too maybe that will help and it's like well no you're still not you're not done dealing with this so like if you're in those two camps like this like you shouldn't even associate yourself with this conversation because something um, um i think is really important is is it even let's say that like you are a woman and and you do notice that you have some symptoms and that carbs could possibly be something that you could implement strategically um, and, and with purpose, right? I always say fats and proteins should be um, 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 fo essential focused and then carbs are purpose focused. Like, or do they do they serve a purpose? They, they could serve a purpose. But if you're at a place where like you're still working on your internal demons and those internal voices and you're still trying to overcome them, you taking care of that is a lot more important than the what the carbs will ever do because if the carbs would help you feel better but you go to them and you binge and become obese again and feel even worse what was the point in that there was no point in that there was absolutely no point in that so it's better to work on those things first and then introduce the carbs so i think it i think it comes down to a level of like real self awareness like like being able to be self-aware enough to realize if you're trying to do something for a good purpose or you're just trying to use it as a justification to meet uh, uh, some kind of impulse or or urge or craving or whatever might be going on, right? It's like, oh, I had a really bad day today. Mary had sweet potato. I can have sweet potato. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's such a lack of self-awareness. And so I think, I think that this conversation needs to be talked about through the lens of like okay where am i self-aware wise right because like i think back on your progression through it and where you're at now like it's not like when we started working together you were just like we were just like all right let's eat sweet potato or like you know like it wasn't like this like it was a very it was a long process of like trying this trying that slowly like i think the first thing we used was raspberries like that was like the very first thing we ever tried and it was like a slow progression into things and over the course of months right it wasn't like one day I'm carnivore, one day I'm eating sweet potato when I used to binge on sweet potato pie every Thanksgiving at my grandma's house, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't that, right? It was, there's a lot more context to the conversation. And I think some people, when they see a post or they listen to a podcast or whatever, they, uh, they get these little like uh, um, sound bites and they put these sound bites and apply them to themselves when it's not even about them, right? And so I think it's really important, again, with this conversation that people listening and trying to apply it need to come from a place of like ultra self-awareness and not um, have this problem. I called it, what I call it, I called it a, a shadow syndrome where they're just like, they want to walk behind the shadow of their favorite influencer or or somebody, yes. right? And it's like, I don't want to walk by myself. I don't want to be exposed to the light. It'd be much better if I find somebody I like and I like how they're feeling. I like what they're doing. So I'm just going to walk in their shadow, right? And we don't realize like how detrimental that can be to like our personal health journey if we're not aware of why we're doing yeah. it. I think, you know, that the whole self-awareness, like, like knowing yourself, I think that's really hard for people like it, that are, are new and in, into recovery because we still, you know, we're battling that voice of sabotage all the time. Right. And we can easily think that this is something we can handle because our voice of sabotage has said, oh yeah, you've been, you know, you've been good for a while now you can handle that. Right. And that's different from like really being intellectually honest and saying, uh, okay, this is a former binge food of mine. Like, I, I if you would have suggested white potato, which I know you never would, but if you were, or maybe you would, if you were to suggest white potato, I would have said no because 
I mean, it didn't matter what form they were in, you know, French fries, mashed, whatever. Like that was a former binge food for me, but I never in my life tried sweet potato. So I was willing to, to do that knowing, you know, that it's very similar, right? As far, but, you know, I guess it just didn't, you know, I, I eat it with a lot of protein also. So I think that that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we eat it by itself. It could possibly be more, you know, triggering for some people, but I, I think it's really, it is a good point that you really, we really have to know ourselves, look at our, be honest about our track record um, and honest about the reason we, you know, want to implement something. Um, and, and yeah, I like what you said, you know, a lot of people look at, you know, this is a problem like uh, that I have as a coach all the time, right? Because my clients, they don't just follow me, right? They follow lots of people and pretty much like almost a daily basis. um, I get questions from, from clients. Well, I just saw so-and-so. So did this or said that, what do you think? Right. What do you think I should do? Like, and they're, you know, so people that are still like, new in recovery and still struggling and, and looking at like everything an influencer says, um, or listening to a podcast and like, you know, they, they listen to a podcast one week and they want to try what's on that podcast. And they listen to a podcast on another week and then, oh, they want to switch to that because now they heard, heard this. It's like, that's still like the pattern that people are in. It's probably better for them to just like, keep it simple and keep like addressing the relationship with food. Right. Instead of look, looking to experiment and, and try to figure out like certain health things. I think, you know, in the beginning, the most beneficial thing we could do is just put the right food in our mouth. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it, it's better to be, um, especially at the beginning, it's better to be cautious than adventurous. Yeah. Because like, like I would almost rather, and, and uh, hopefully this makes sense. I would rather somebody be hesitant when it comes to introducing a food than overly excited, right? So like when I introduced sweet potato for the first time for my needs, I was not overly excited to eat that sweet potato. I was actually quite nervous because I wasn't sure what I was going to yeah. feel afterwards. And I felt so- <laughs> great. And I've, and I've slowly built confidence. But imagine if I would have went into it overly excited yeah, I could have easily have that could easily have led to a binge, right? Because who knows mm-hmm. why I would have been excited? Was I excited because I got to eat something sweet? Because I got to eat a carb? What does that mean for my ED? What does that mean for my voices in my head? Like, what does that mean? Um, and so I think like oftentimes, like like with you, right? Like it was like, okay, I'm gonna try this, right? There was like a level of hesitancy because you were afraid of what, like that that level of like. I'm going to be careful with this. We're going to go into this slowly. I think is a lot better than going, oh, heck yeah, dude, let's eat like five pounds. I'm so ready for this. Like, I feel like that person is not ready for it. And that's right. And, and, and that doesn't mean like, and, and, I, and I say that because I don't, the reason I was like, I want to make it to make sense is because I don't want, I don't think someone that should be like, I don't want someone to, to develop the other extreme of an eating disorder where like they do need a carb or something and they won't binge on it, but even though they know they're not going to binge on it, they won't even touch it because they're just, they've, they're, they've convinced themselves that this is poison. And it's like, okay, but like raspberry, like if you know, you're not going to like, let's say so there's someone that like we, we, they eat raspberries, right. And then they feel better and they don't binge, but they've been convinced that they see a post the next day of their favorite influencer that says like, fructose and berries is as bad as Coca-Cola. And then all of a sudden they're just terrified of it and they never eat it again. And they're and it's detrimental to their health in doing so. I think that's really bad too, right? That I mean, that yeah. that's orthorexia. Like that is an eating. Yeah. Disorder. 
Um, and so like, I think that it's, it's just, we have to be, I think it really boils back down to knowing yourself. And, and on that point, I think it's really important to anybody that's, that's, that's considering this kind of move in their ketogenic diet to have a coach. And I, and I'm not saying that to sell myself or sell anybody, but like you need a coach and you need a coach that is willing to get to know you as an individual, right? Like with you, right? I, it, when we worked together, I would never, ever try to encourage you to eat white potatoes. I was never going to try and encourage you to eat bananas. I was never going to encourage you to eat those things because I know you, I know the things you've talked we've talked about your history. Like I know the foods that you, you know, that micro kind of abst abstaining and moderating. We, I know what you can abstain from. And I have an idea of what you're really, you moderate really well because I've gotten, I got to know you and that led to a really good introduction and it led to a really good response over time. And it's like, it's like, sometimes I think that that's where it goes wrong too, is these, these women, they see posts like yours and they get excited and then they go find a coach and this coach doesn't get to know them. They're just like, okay, here's my 10 week plan. It's like, you know, we'll call every week, yeah. right? And there's no like level of like, okay, well, what do you struggle with? Like, I remember I had a client, uh, uh, their first call last week. And the first thing we did when we got into the conversation about carbs was, okay, I want you to write down all the carb source foods you used to binge. And like, she, she wrote them all down. Once she wrote them all down, I said, we're not touching any of that, right? We're not going to touch any of it. And we're going to focus on these. And I gave her a couple that I wanted her to try. And it, I really think that, and again, that's not to sell me. It's just to sell the point that like, if you're going to do this, you need to make sure that you have a coach that understands eating disorders and that understands and is willing to get to know you as an individual and can help you navigate that space. Because again, even if you need to do that for your health, the navigation, it's a treacherous place to navigate. Yes. Um, and you have to be careful and you have to make sure that you have the right boundaries, the right reinforcement and the right accountability and the right education and direction to do so. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I've said to several people, I've had lots of people um, DM me asking um, about you or, or not asking about you, but asking, you know, giving me kind of like a, a, a life story summary and asking me like, what should I do? And it's, I responded to them, look, that's not my wheelhouse. You know, you got to work with someone and I highly recommend, you know, working with, with Jonathan. And so I sent a lot of people your way and, but here's, so I think the other thing too, is we got to make sure first work with someone and make sure that this is even a move that you need to make, you know, mm -hmm. I, cause there were also several responses of people saying they had the same experience. I had their weight went up, um, their A1C, you know, went up their, their fasting blood sugar, what they were having a lot of the same issues and said their history was the same as mine, that they had like, you know, they've been carnivore or pretty darn close to zero carb and experienced the same thing. So I would say, well, that sounds, you know, that sounds like, yeah, maybe you are a candidate for, you know, for implementing some carbs. Um, but if you're like keto and you're doing, you know, 50 net carbs a day and you still eat processed keto stuff, that's probably not your problem. Your problem probably isn't the problem that I was having. Um, yeah. And it's important to work with someone who is going to be mindful of your history with, with food and who's, who's going to like first even determine, is this something that you would benefit from? Yeah. I mean, I'm working with, with, with clients right now and, and none of them. And I, and I see this with like, I'm not even joking. 
like and not even the slightest none of them are on the same program not even in the slightest like almost to the point where like i have to make like like when i had calls like i gotta go through like individual because i have to like remind my because it's just like it's so it varies because they're individuals yeah. and you have to be willing in this conversation to look as people look at people as individuals but i get it though like and and, and i definitely think that this is tough right and i think that's why this conversation is really interesting because we're talking about this from the lens of like someone with eating disorders and eating disorder tendencies because there are women out there that have been keto for a long time that have come from an eating disorder past that are like oh my gosh I have, because I, I've gotten a lot of demons. I mean, I read the comments on your post. There are women out there that have struggled with bulimia and binge eating mm-hmm. disorder and emotional eating that are now struggling and they don't know what to do. They're like, I'm so confused now. Like yeah. I've been told, I've been told by everybody I reach out to that, that swears by a carnivore diet that I just need to stick with it and give it time. Yeah. And Zero carb not, harder. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not helping. It's not helping. Yeah. And I've been told that the thing like carbs in general are the thing that's killing me and I can't go back to it ever. And now you're telling me that there's a possibility that it's the one thing that can save me, the thing that I'm supposed to be avoiding. And so I get that. I get that. And and I think that that's um, uh, something that's, that's really hard to navigate too is like, and I, and I get that going into, you know, the information I put out, like, I understand that that controversy in it is how does it apply to the individual that struggles and that's been convinced for years now that, all carbs are bad and some carbs are bad, right? Like you shouldn't go and eat Twinkies to try and fix your cycle. You shouldn't go eat funnel cakes, but that's how it can be absorbed. And I know there's, I was just, I literally just talking about this on a podcast, how other people, that's kind of the fear. And I get that, right? I get that. That's the fear is that if influencers start encouraging people to eat carbs on keto, that they're going to go back to a standard American diet. Right. That will be the gateway, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think it's important. And I do think that this is, again, this is twofold because it is the responsibility of the creator, coach, or influencer to be specific, right? I am very specific, right? Like when I'm talking about carbs, I'm talking about whole food, paleo-friendly carbohydrates. I've said that again and again and again and again. I have never refrained from it. I have never, I've never complicated that message. It's very simple on the sources that I'm talking about, right? Um, yeah. But at the same time, I have to understand and we have to accept that some people are going to take that the wrong way and go off the deep end. Right. They're going to hear what they want to hear, right? Correct. Correct. But that's not on you. That's on right. them. And you can't stop trying to help people with your message because of the subgroup that might go to the extreme. It's yeah. no different than it's no different than, than than someone that really promotes a higher fat ketogenic diet because that can be good for some some people who are just like tanking their dietary fat to lose weight. Like, no, you need to get your fats a little higher, especially when you're starting keto or your 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 you know, fat is your energy source, especially if you're super lean or whatever it might be. And, and people are going to the extreme and eating way too much fat. And then they're not losing weight on keto because they're told not to track calories. Cause you can't, there's no way you can overeat on fat on keto, which is such baloney, right? right? They, they go to the extreme and the influencer that's trying to encourage a higher fat ketogenic diet doesn't want them to go to that far, but that's the consumer's problem. They're taking it and running with it. So I think every, every good, healthy message has a subset group of consumers that is going to interpret it. Exactly. And they're going to, they're going to use it to justify their tendencies. Right. Yeah. Well, their ed is going to be like, did you hear that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can eat sweet potato. Yeah. Um, Okay. I want you to address to the different. So um, 
there is a difference between men and women in how they respond to these things, right? Like, so um, talk about that too, like, you know, why, you know, there are, there seem to be a lot of carnivore men that do really, really well with the zero carb long, long term. But, you know, and there's some women out there who are seemingly doing really well long term. But I think there's there's a difference. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So, okay. So we have to think about this in terms of stress and hormone cycles, because this is this is really, really comes down to. Right. So hormone cycles in general. Right. So men tend to be on a 24 hour cycle. Okay. Women are on a 30 day cycle. Right. Uh, We're biologically very different. Um, men can reproduce at any point, at any time. They're always ready. Women are, you know, their bodies are made and designed to reproduce at a certain, you know, uh, ovulation at a very particular phase of the month. And so our hormones revolve around those two things. And it's important to understand that, to really understand the context of everything else. And so second point, what this really comes down to is stress. Really it comes down to this fun hormone called cortisol. Cortisol, okay, is the stem of it all, right? And cortisol plays a role in sex hormones, right? So you got your progesterone, your estrogen, your testosterone. It also plays a role in thyroid hormones, right? So high cortisol suppresses thyroid, high cortisol suppresses sex hormones. They're all on this fun little biological cycle and roller coaster together. And our bodies somehow in the complexity of them find a way to balance these things out. But we can unbalance them, okay? So when we're looking at the difference between men and women and as it pertains to stress hormones, we have to look at we have to look at the voluntary and involuntary stressors, okay? So voluntary stressors are stressors that are happening in your life that you can control, that you can control 1000%, right? So job stress, right? Now you can't what I mean by this is I'm not saying that if you decide one day that your job is never going to be stressful again, that it's magically going to be the most peaceful thing ever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying though is like job stress, like you can take days off. You can uh, do go for walks and do breathe breath work in the mornings and at night after work. Like there's things you can do to mitigate what's going on and how you respond to job stress, uh, right? Like you can you can deal with that. Uh, a big one's working out, like working out cardio based stress events, right? So like. I know running is a huge stressor um, in terms of cortisol response. You couple that with working out and you're you're really doing yourself some, some good stress right there. That is completely voluntary. You could just quit working out and that stress would evaporate. It would just, it would exi- cease to exist. So these things are voluntary, okay? Now you have involuntary stressors. Involuntary stressors could be, um, oh, wait, you know what? Sorry, let me go back to voluntary uh, relationships. This is important. Relationships, right? <laughs> Because you can end the relationship or you can get counseling and you can work on the relationship. There's things you can do, right? So like if you're not working on your relationship and it's stressing you out, that is extremely voluntary, right? Like you are allowing that to happen. You can work on that if you want to, right? So, sorry, I dropped my pen. These are things, I'm writing this down as I talk. So these are things that you can control, okay? Here's things that you, here's some things that you can't control. Um, Women's cycles, periods. You cannot control the fact that you have a period. You're, I mean, you can, right? Oh, because there's birth control. But I mean, like in terms of biologically, like you're supposed to have a cycle every 30 days, 28 days. Like, like without a doubt, that's that that is a involuntary process. It's going to happen. Another involuntary process, waking up. You're gonna wake up and it does produce cortisol, dawn effect. Sorry. 
Another involuntary process is menopause, right? Mm. These are stressful environments that are involuntary. And real quick, just go back to voluntary real quick. I meant to say this, keto and fasting. Keto and fasting mm -hmm. are voluntary stressors, okay? Healthy stressors, right? We know that they're beneficial. They're voluntary. You choose to do them, okay? Now, all of the voluntary stressors apply to both men and women, okay? So every voluntary stressor I just listed, so waking up, cardio, weightlifting, relationships, job stress, keto and fasting, voluntary, apply to both men and women, okay? The involuntary stressors only apply, two of them only apply to women, and one of them applies to men and women. Waking up, both men and women have to wake up. Periods and menopause, men don't have to deal with that. Only women have that as an involuntary stressor. Now, you might say, well, that's only two out of eight that I listed, but those two are big ones because yeah. periods can be very stressful. And not to get too far ahead, but that varies from woman to woman, which is why what we're about to bleed into matters, but it's different, right? So men, a lot of their stressors are voluntary, meaning a lot of the things we can mitigate, right? So like if a man is on keto and carnivore and that's eliciting a cortisol response, and the reason it elicits a cortisol response is because your body thinks it's not eating, okay? That's why it suppresses your appetite, just FYI. Secondly, um, gluconeogenesis, the reason how your body does that is it stimulates cortisol. Why? Because low blood sugar is a stressful state. So your body elicits cortisol to get blood sugar to stay balanced. That's how gluconeogenesis works. When your glycogen is depleted, your body worries about dying. And so it, it stresses itself out to produce glucose to replenish glycogen. All that's normal. And it's not a lot. Let's, let's be clear. It's not a lot of cortisol. But the problem is, is when it's coupled with a lot of other things that are producing cortisol, you're running a lot, you're lifting weights a lot, your job's really stressful. Men can choose to do or not do a lot of these things. And so if they choose, so let's say they're doing keto and fasting and they don't want to give those up, they'll just stop running as much. They're like, okay, I need to pull back on running. And generally like that'll fix it. They can just stay keto and they can fast, whatever, go carnivore, who cares? Uh, they can just like take a vacation from work. They can have a good morning routine. And generally speaking, those things will figure themselves out. It'll bring cortisol down enough to where there's not really an issue, right? Whereas for women, they can do that too with the things that are voluntary, but they can't do that with the things that are involuntary. And so there's a level of cortisol that is produced in women for a week at a time when they're on their cycle and with menopause, that's a lot longer, you know, that menopause yeah. concentrated from two to five years. And so this is cortisol just oozing out that they can't control to a point. Right. And so when you do that, even if you do mitigate your job stress and your workout stress and all this stuff, it still could be a lot. And then the keto and fasting adds to it. And it's just enough to spill over. And so mm -hmm. now you have this chronic high cortisol environment that's not doing you any favors and it's making keto and fasting really hard. Your sex hormones are fighting you. All these things are going on. And going back to what I said earlier about different women, some women, their cycles aren't that intense. And so if they, if they manage their stress well, if they take the right supplements, it will bring cortisol down enough to where they don't have to do anything. They feel fine. They're able to control it and keep their cortisol low enough to, they never have to, they can stay on strict keto. We know women that are on strict carnivore and do fine, right? But it's for those women that do have intense cortisol responses to their cycle or mm -hmm. to menopause, 
and they want to they want to do keto and fasting well it, they can't they, they they they're just overrun with stress and no matter what they do about the involuntary the voluntary stress the involuntary stress isn't going away well the only way that we know scientifically when it comes to food to bring down cortisol is the introduction of exogenous carbohydrates and that's where we can see that benefit because when we introduce those carbohydrates, even a small amount, right? 50, 100 grams, which sounds like a lot to us because we're keto, but it's like a high carb person that's that zap. That's not right. A joke. That's low carb. <laughs> yeah, it's low carb. It's a joke. Um, I mean, that can be enough to suppress cortisol to bring uh, fasted glucose back down. And, put, yeah. and you could do that like three times a week. And the rest of the time you could do carnivore or whatever, uh, lower keto, or low carb keto. And, and you could see a lot of benefits from that. Yeah. And that's the explanation of like what happened to me. You know, I, you know, so many people were asking how, cause they were like, I was, I don't understand how our carbs bringing down my, my fasting blood sugar, but that's how you explained it to me too. So that was a great explanation. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. I hope it made sense because that's a lot. <laughs> it did. It was a lot, but it did. And people can like, you know, rewind and listen to it over, <laughs> over again. So um, that was awesome. Okay. I think there was one more thing I was going to ask you and now I can't remember what it was, but um, I, so just like as a recap, like the, the big, the main message that I wanted to, you know, to be heard on, on this podcast was that just because I'm eating sweet potato or just because you see, uh, you know, some, like we can't look at what other people are doing and decide um, without any reflection or investigation, um, decide that that is, you know, something that, that we should do. Um, and then, you know, asking, you know, this, I'm sure this has happened to you like over the years, right? Like just being, you know, keto and, and online. I've probably been asked a thousand times since I've been on social media. Well, what do you eat? Right. That's why we have food albums, right? That's why we post our food, right? Because people are always asking. Um, but I just want to drive home the point that like, we are all individuals and, you know, we don't have to do something exactly like somebody else does. And even if we did, that doesn't guarantee we're going to get the same result that, that they got. So, you know, before you, you know, jump into making a change, figure out, is this even a change that I have to make? Or is my voice of sabotage just trying to like keep me distracted and busy, like going from one thing to another? You know, I am, I love listening to podcasts. I listen to them every day. I love reading. But if we were to change something every time we heard somebody say something, or every time we, you know, read a certain chapter of a book, like it's a great way to like make yourself crazy. And those of us with ed tendencies that are, that have that eating disorder background, we very easily, you know, fall into that. We're just like constantly like look, still looking for the, the magic answer, the magic pill. Oh, well, so-and-so, so I need to do that. Right. So I think I just want the takeaway to be like, you are an individual and figure out, you know, what you need to do and work with somebody who knows um, how to help you navigate that. No, absolutely. And I think everything we just talked about, if your initial thought after all this is like, oh man, I cannot wait to try some carbs. I don't think that you should try carbs. Like, I think like, yeah. I think if you listen to everything we just said, like you should realize that this is a complex, this is complex. You as a human being are complex. And I love what you said. Yeah. I think it, you can't just apply what somebody else is doing. Um, and just say 100% that that's for me. It, 
it can help. It can definitely steer you in the right direction, but there has to be a level of accountability and self-awareness to make sure that what you're doing is being done with a positive purpose and not a negative impulse. Yeah. Well, and I want to be clear too. I don't want to, um, I've, I've fallen into this trap before. And I think like in the beginning, when I was working with you, like I had, I had like cut back on, on eating chicken because I heard a very popular carnivore doctor, um, talk about how the poofas and chicken are really bad for you. And I had started to like lay off chicken because of that. Right. Like I not looking at the fact that chicken, you know, wasn't, you know, I didn't have any evidence that chicken was hurting me at all. Um, and I remember you telling me like, Mary, just eat the chicken. <laughs> it's okay to, to eat chicken. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't want it to sound like, uh, I'm picking on anybody, um, specific or any, you know, if you're one of the people that ask these kinds of questions on, on my post, um, we all have, you know, fallen in, into that trap. So just, you know, I think it's important that we stay in our own lane, look and figure out like what our particular needs are and seek a solution that's specific to those needs. No, absolutely. I agree 100%. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on and explaining all of that. I really appreciate it. I'm sure that people listening will get a lot out of that. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope they get a lot out of it. Me too. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at KetoMary71, as well as my website, KetoCoachMary.com.